Hey, everybody, this is John Tady welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tady, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, we discuss the classic film, The Princess Bride. Should be a good one. Let's bring mom in now. Hi, mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I am very good. You know, we are going to have a packed mailbag segment this week. Nothing brings people out of the woodwork like us talking about British culture for Isn't whatever that odd? reason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's all British listeners. Um, I don't think so, but I think it's people who are similarly interested in some of the finest pop culture offerings that come from across the sea there. Um, one, we'll get to more emails later. I did want to mention that um, Alex G wrote in to inform us that uh, the previously mentioned Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, the um, quasi-documentary drama series that recently aired on TV in the UK, is coming to the United States on PBS in March. You better believe we're going to be talking about oh, that. You know it. <laughs> The scandal of it all? I cannot wait. I uh, bring it up uh, because it's been a while since we checked in on uh, Mrs. Tady versus the post office. Uh, so we got any updates? I do. I do have an update. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> I had a little argument. I don't know. Did oh, I just... Oh, what a surprise. Did I... <laughs> I don't know if I discussed this, so you'll have to... Tell me if I did, but okay. I went to the post office and there was a lot of uh, political uh, flyers and like on the bulletin board. No, in my mailbox. Oh, junk mail, but all political. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, so not. Yeah, not flyer like mailers. OK, mailers. Pardon but, yeah, me. no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sick of them. And I said to him, I, why don't you have a trash can here? I, I don't <laughs> want this stuff. And he said, just take it home and throw it away. And I don't, I said, I don't want to, I don't, I don't authorize you to put this in my mailbox and I shouldn't <laughs> have to deal with it myself. So blah, blah, blah. Uh huh. And I said, and this place is filthy. Why don't you clean it? And we came to a stalemate in that he was going to do nothing. And I said, okay. And the next day I went in, there was a woman in front of me and she was telling him um, some story about how she mailed five packages in New London. And he said, why didn't you mail them here? And she said, oh, you know, I was just up there and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I mailed them up there and I said, okay. That's the only recourse I have is to not buy my stamps here and to not mail my packages here. So I was mailing Leo and Eve's Valentine package, which will be there tomorrow. Oh, no, today. It'll be there today. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. And uh, I so I took it to Concord because we were going to Concord. And I went in and this place was beautiful. It was like... The Waldorf Astoria of Post Office. They sell Hallmark cards there. They have all the different size boxes that you want. They have prepaid boxes that you can fill and ship. And they had 
everything. The Concord Post Office. Wow. Yep. Mythical. Yep. And pleasant, smiling. Here's your receipt. This will be there Wednesday. A little chit-chat and then on your way. That was it. So what I noticed while I was there is that they have a trash can that just has a slit in it. So it's Mm. recycling for all that political nonsense. Yeah. Junk mail. Junk mail. Yeah. That's all. Because Jason's objection was that people throw coffee cups in there and he's not anybody's janitor. So he's not going to take that to the dump. So I went back to our (laughs) post office and I said, Jason, I was in Concord and they have a recyclable trash can that has just a little slit in it. And he said, well, we're, we're open all the time. We're, we're open all the time. I said, so you think people are taking the time on Sunday night to drive down to the post office and stuff their coffee cups in your, <laughs> in your recyclable? Well, you know, we're, they're not open all the time and we are. And I said, well, you know what? I just give up then. I just give up. And he said to me, is that what you're mad at me about? And I thought, how does he know I'm mad at him? (laughs) Yeah, how could he possibly tell? (laughs) Well, I just never thought of it as in a personal way like that. I just thought he would look at me as a disgruntled customer, but... Yeah. Well, (laughs) he certainly looks at you that way, I'm sure, but... um, I mean, you have quite a relationship with (laughs) with this guy. Um... So I can see how he he took it personally. Hmm. You know, he seems like he's got this gruff, uh, no-nonsense exterior, but inside, a very vulnerable soul. I guess. Oh, well. So he said, is this what you're mad at me about? But he didn't say, you know what? Good idea. No, no, no. No. He said, (laughs) no, that we're open all the time. So I guess people are just lurking around waiting to put all their- We're open all the time. He means like the doors open and people can get their mail from their box all the time? Yes. Well, that's- Okay. He really thinks he's lord of this yes. uh, post office domain, doesn't he? And he is. He is because, as I've told you before, if yes. you write to the postmaster, they just send it to the Andover office and they don't do anything. So, Oh, those cowards down in Andover. Right. So you have no recourse. So in in my petty life... I will now not mail any of my packages from there, nor will I buy my stamps there. Well, 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 well. Yeah, go to that uh, Concord post office. Were the floors tiled with gold in this Concord (laughs) post office? It was really beautiful compared to our post office. It really was beautiful. And it gets heavy use. I know that. I imagine Um, a choir singing. (laughs) Heavenly melodies as you yeah. buy your stamps. Mm, I have to go there sometime. Sounds like a Japanese post office, to be honest. You can buy a Hallmark greeting card there. Wow. I know you're All laughing right. at me, but wow. I think, <laughs> wow. I am a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, now, before we get to our mail, you said you had a question for me. Very mysterious. Well, I do have a, a question, and it has to do with my recommendation, actually. Oh, okay. This week. But this book that we read, I will just tell you right now. It's called American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Mm-hmm. And it tells a tale of a woman that whose husband has upset the drug cartels in Mexico. Wow. How do you do that? By writing. Yeah. And things progressed. And I'm not going to really tell you anything about it because it, it, <laughs> okay. it's okay. a the way it's written is is really the best thing about it. And it tells of this woman's journey trying to leave Mexico and the um, informants that are everywhere and et cetera, et cetera. But apparently there was some big kerfuffle in that she's white and wrote about Mexico. Uh-huh. And so the 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 Latino writers all said she didn't get it right. She shouldn't be writing about this. This is not her domain. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get okay, it. Okay, so you get um, it. So I don't have a, let's see, do I have a 20-foot pole here to touch this with? Uh, no, I don't have one on hand, so I don't know that I can even touch this controversy. Well, I, well, I mean, my basic yeah. question is, can't anybody write about anything? Isn't that what we're allowed to do um you want my answer my answer is yes um and i don't really care to elaborate any more than that because it's just i it is a soul-sucking um front in the culture war one that has subsided somewhat Uh, you know when when did this book come out I believe a few years ago. A few years ago. That sounds about right. That would have been the hot moment for this type of rhetoric. And I okay. think that, that um, these nonsensical rules have cooled somewhat because mm-hmm. people have, without saying so, without admitting that uh, we all went a little overboard, uh, I think that, that this whole cultural appropriation thing has... Um, Calmed somewhat because, as I think I said on the podcast a few years ago, also similarly not wanting to get too deep into it, but this is how the culture works. Um, people interpret and adapt um, from from your culture to their culture and back again. And like, this is how cult- you can't prevent it, in my opinion. It's how culture has always worked. Hmm. Um, it's an ongoing process of interpretation and reinterpretation. And I don't think, I think it's very silly to draw these lines based on skin color or based on where you grew up or whatever. That said, there are people who are very passionate about it who, with whom I do not wish to tangle. Uh, so okay. I'll leave it at that. Well, my, but I'm, I'm with you is okay. the short answer All to right. your question. Because my mm-hmm. defense for the whole thing is this is teaching me something that I didn't know about and isn't knowledge a good thing? Yeah. You know, I think the argument, uh, uh, yes, I'm not even going to get into the argument. I'm not going to play devil's advocate. Okay. I'm with you, Ma. Well, I was confused by that uh, because I thought we were going to talk about the book, but we didn't. In the book club, this was a book club choice. Um, And we ended up talking quite a bit about that 
uh, controversy, <sighs> but it made me see how books get banned. Books that, that you're saying, what? That's how they get banned, that there's an, a loud enough group that says no, and it's easier just to say, okay, I think. I don't, I don't really know what you, I don't know what that means, but, um, can you sense how uncomfortable I am with? Yeah, but I don't know why you're uncomfortable. Cause it's, there's nothing to be gained from it. In my opinion, (laughs) there's nothing to be gained from me expressing a lengthy opinion on it. Um, I'm sure your book club discussion was, um, tedious and vapid and, uh, I'm not surprised. All right. Well, I yep. was, because uh, I thought we were just going to talk about the book. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Stupid me. Um, yeah, I was very confused, to tell you the truth. The Okay, despite my better instincts, I will say, the argument is you don't want people pretending to be something they're not. And you don't, you know, you don't want the American writer pretending to be Mexican, right? But... Um, I don't think most people write that way. And right. um, I don't know this particular book. Right. But um, from what you describe, it doesn't sound like it pretends or uh, arrogates itself to be something it's not. So, um, yeah. All right. I'm sorry that your book club discussion went that way. <laughs> you're, that book club that you're in, they're just like... <laughs> They're like one or two years behind on all these frenzies (laughs) and just totally preoccupied with like, am I signaling the right thing? Basically, you know, am I following the tribe? Oh, man, I'm getting myself into trouble. Can we please move on? All right, uh, let's, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't let's... realize it was going to be that can of worms, yeah, so just apologies. This political nonsense. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, let's get to the mailbag, because we got a bunch of emails this week. Uh, Dan from Tokyo, uh, who's been a regular correspondent lately, says uh, he's excited that I'm heading to Japan this summer. Mm. He says, I've been living here for 14 years wow. and have a five-year-old. We've had a lot of great experiences traveling around the country here. And then he gives me a few things to keep in mind. Um, I will uh, say that Anna and I lived in Japan for not 14 years, but for a year. And um, I've been many times. So we, he says very sweetly, wish I could experience Japan for the first time again. And uh, me too, Dan. Um, <laughs> but uh, your tips on the planning and uh, on the weather in particular and the humidity in the summer uh, mm. are all accurate in my experience. And it was so, wasn't that kind of him to write? Very I mean, there's kind. like three paragraphs of travel tips here, wow. all of them very good and not all stuff that I, despite having lived there, that, you know, I was thinking about. So yeah, yeah. Um, our listeners are just gems. They uh, are so... the best. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. We're excited to take our kids. Um, My buddy, Steve, uh, who you know I see all the time, I convinced him to come with us, so he's coming. Um, My sister, Jenna, as you know, is coming with us, so it's going to be a fantastic trip. I'm really excited about it. Okay, now here's a funny thing. After we reviewed Only Connect, I heard from uh, Natural Ice on Twitter and um, Kloss H via... (laughs) via email and they both said some version of can i take credit for you finally doing the only connect (laughs) review it turns out class uh emailed us in 2021 
to oh, suggest wow. that we review Only Connect. And so did Natural Ice. July 2021, he gave me a screenshot wow. of a tweet he sent to me and said, I'd love, love to hear your thoughts on Only Connect and uh, University Challenge, which we mentioned in passing uh, in the Only Connect review. I... I want to apologize both to Class H and to Natural Ice. Um, I don't didn't remember either of these suggestions, but yes, you both can take it as a win. We finally reviewed Only Connect. Um, I do want to pass along a Natural Ice. Uh, I love that name. Plus, he's got a picture of Tom Brady as his Twitter avatar, so wow. I like that too. Um, writes, uh, I agree with you 100% uh, regarding Vicky Corin, who is the host of uh, Only Connect. Uh, Naturalize says she is just an interesting person across many dimensions, in addition to being a superlative host, positively lovely. Um, something that always strikes me about Only Connect is how normal the people are. A lot of socially awkward, borderline misfits <laughs> who clearly just love trivia among other esoterica, very unlike the people I see on United States game shows who somehow always seem to be on in a very unnatural, ready-for-TV way. Preach. Preach. Really? That is the truth. That oh, is my God. true. That is, that is so true. The modern game show contestant has made me more... Like, I would never root against contestants. I can't remember doing that earlier in life. But um, I mentioned Steve. Steve and I uh, like to watch the uh, Elizabeth Banks Press Your Luck for a number of different reasons. But um, one of them is that the contestants are so obnoxious that you get to root for the whammy. And oh, my God, that <laughs> is fun. I don't think I've laughed this hard in quite a long time when we watched uh, a press your luck on Friday where the whammy, I actually stood up and applauded at one point because the whammy had this sense of timing that was incredible. It was just an hour of these insufferable people building up, building up these huge banks of cash and prizes. And just at the most heart shattering moment, whammy. Oh, again and again. My sides hurt at the end of this hour. There were three contestants. Two of them were obnoxious. One of them um, was a woman who has like two children of her own and like 10 foster children oh, and boy. has this big compound where she takes care of all these kids and has like big fairs and brings in local vendors and... Um, the whammy didn't touch her at all. And Steve and I admired that a lot, too. The whammy was just like, you know what? I'm going to stay away from this one, and I'm going to work these other two people really hard. And so he did. <laughs> to get back to Natural Ice's uh, tweet message, yeah, I like normal people. Yeah. And, I, you know, that's why I like watching the old game shows, too, is the element of people watching. Right. The difference yep. with the sort of daily um, daytime game shows is they had to produce so many of them that you can't be as picky about the contestants. You know, if they can play the game and they have a reasonable amount of um, liveliness and energy on camera, they're on. They don't have to be these like adrenaline junkie screaming, yelling maniacs. And that's um, what it is. It, that's, that's what exactly it is now. What it yeah. is. It's very unpleasant to watch. I don't know. I agree. I don't watch any of those, the, the remakes of the old games. They're just, they're too much. Well, the press your luck is quite good, I think. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I understand if you can't, if you can't just switch your rooting interest to the whammy, it's not as much fun. Yeah. 
Klaus had a bunch of recommendations uh, for us. He uh, mentions 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, which he remember, remembers us reviewing. Um, he also recommends Would I Lie to You? Have I shown you that before? No. You might enjoy that. I think that's a good recommendation. Um, there's a bunch of them on YouTube. Pointless. I think we might have reviewed Pointless way back when. Did we do that? I it's don't like know. the backwards family feud where you're trying to get answers to a question that nobody said. Oh, no. Did we ever watch that? Richard Osman is on that too. Um, Klaus also mentions, which we uh, mentioned in the podcast last time, um, he mentions Richard Osman's House of Games. And uh, we may review that sometime soon. Stay tuned to the end of the show and <laughs> see if I mention it. We'll see. I hope I didn't spoil a surprise. Um, that's it from the mailbag for me, I believe. And that's plenty, isn't it? Wow. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. You know, I always say we love to get email, and you really came through this week. Um, that was fun. Should we talk about The Princess Bride, Mom? We should. Okay. The 1987 film The Princess Bride is one of those movies that owes its enduring place in the culture to VHS. A mix of fantasy and comedy, the genre-defying movie struggled to make an impact during its theatrical run. Anyone who remembers the film from their youth almost certainly discovered it by way of its home video release, myself included. Carrie Elwes stars as the dashing hero Wesley, who aims to save his true love Buttercup from a twisted murder plot hatched by the bellicose Prince Humperdinck. He's aided in this quest by two foes who become friends— Master Swordsman Inigo Montoya, played by Mandy Patinkin, and the menacing but big-hearted golem Fezzik, played by Andre the Giant. There's quite, it's quite a cast in this movie. Here's a clip. What are our liabilities? There is but one work in Castlegate. And it is guarded by 60 men. And our assets? Your brains. Fezzik's strength. I steal. That's it? Impossible. If I had a month to plan, maybe I could come up with something for this. You just shook your head. That doesn't make you happy? My brains, his steel, and your strength against 60 men, and you think a little head jiggle is supposed to make me happy? Hmm? I mean, if we only had a wheelbarrow, that would be something. The Princess Bride is available with your Disney Plus subscription, or you can rent it pretty much everywhere else. It's not a hard film to see. Mom, did this movie inspire true love, or did you find its greatness inconceivable? <laughs> um, I landed, uh, I would just say I enjoyed it. Okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, and it was an entertaining hour and a half, I would say. I don't Had know. Had you seen I it could... before? Yes. As you're watching it, probably everybody in the world has seen it before, but you just don't remember <laughs> that you've seen it until some scene comes on and you say, Oh, I already saw this. So, well, it's one of those movies that it sometimes feels like you, I mean, I have seen it before, of course, <laughs> but it can also feel like you've already seen it because so many of the lines and um, dialogue exchanges have made it into the broader culture, um, particularly Inigo Montoya's uh, patter, right. which is uh, often quoted among uh, nerds. Um but so you were coming to it half fresh, it feels like. You didn't remember seeing it, and then you remembered remembering seeing right. it. Right. 
Right. <laughs> um, and as I watched it, I found the story very charming. I think the thing that made it work was that it was told as a story, as a, a grandfather reading it to his grandson who was homesick from school. And that puts it in a certain realm, puts the whole story in a certain realm, uh, not so much as here's here's a movie that stands alone, but here's a book. Right. And and so it feels differently. It, it feels like, oh, I'm watching a fairy tale in that context. Did that make sense? Yes, I think I think that the framing device is ingenious. The original book had a framing device, but it's a different one. The movie follows the plot of the book very closely, but the original book was um, set up as if the author of it was abridging um, and annotating a classic fairy tale. Um, so there's this like fake author of the quote unquote original tale. And um, he um, sort of steps in throughout the text and comments on what's going on. The movie has this framing device of um, Fred Savage my who my god what an adorable kid <laughs> he was you? right it's like atomic strength adorableness yeah. yeah um he's sick at home and his grandfather peter falk uh, comes in and reads him a story i think this is so brilliant we watched it with our kids you know eight year old boy six year old girl um the princess bride she's in just with the title Right. Like right. she's she's there for the Princess Bride. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So to have this kid on screen who's saying like, oh, kissing princesses. I don't know about this. Like I was looking at him out of the corner of my eye and I saw how he liked that. And he like he he was in yeah. at that moment. You yeah. know, it kept him in. Um Rob Reiner directed this, and I think that's just that was a brilliant move by him to keep the kids in it. You know, the yes. the kids who might get bored. It's like the movies um, breaking the fourth wall almost, and saying, "Hey, stay tuned. You're going to have some fun," which indeed I think you will. Well, the one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, and it sounds like you're not going to be able to participate too too much in this, but this okay. was written by William Goldman. He was a, a novelist first before he became a screenwriter. And back in the day, my sister and I were very, very big fans of his. He wrote some books that we enjoyed so much. Um, Temple of Gold, Your Turn to Curtsy, My Turn to Bow, Soldier in the Rain. Some really, really great books. Mm. Really great books. And then he became a screenwriter. And he wrote also Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, All the President's Men, Marathon Man. Do you know any of those? Mm-hmm. Yes. So this man was quite prolific and very entertaining to me and my sister. And, you know, was a very sort of tortured person. He was an alcoholic. and But in my book, I think he was quite brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's quite, you just laid it out, that's quite an imprint he left on the culture, wouldn't you say? I think so. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, there's no crap in there. There's those movies. No, no. And that's, that's not all, all winners. Of them. That's, that's not all of them. 
I'm so glad you raised that. Yeah. Um, a tip of the cap to the to the writer. William Goldman, he deserves our um, kudos. Um, let's. I just want to go through the cast a little bit. Um, Carrie <laughs> Elwes, this is his iconic role. And um, man, where did he go? Who? What a gorgeous, gorgeous face. Beautiful. I know. What happened? <laughs> Who is he? I don't oh, know. He's been around. He's been around. He was in, uh, he was a few years after this, he was in um, Robin Hood Men in Tights in a similar role. <laughs> um, and I don't have his IMDb in front of me, but he's, he's done fine for himself. But yeah, this is what he's most remembered for. And he's quite, he seems to be quite proud of that. Uh, okay. He's proud of the movie and he's, he's fine with that. But uh, yes, um, a striking uh, visage to say the least. Mm. And um, Robin Wright, I, quite beautiful. Oh, I'm sorry. Robin Wright, also quite beautiful. I was just going to say about Carrie Elwes, um, he's so still. Like, I am struck by um, his stillness as he delivers these confident, heroic lines. The performance is so confident, and I don't necessarily mean, like, he's confident in performing it. I mean, he um, really convincingly portrays this super confident man. Yeah. Like, this is a... Um, Wesley is a man who seems to know that he's the hero of the story and he's not arrogant, but he advances with the confidence that he is the hero and, um, he has all the talents he needs to succeed, um, in this little conflict. And I'm, I just, I don't know how else to put it. I'm just struck by how still he could keep his body and, um, I think it's a great performance. Um, Billy Crystal shows up. Horrifying, <laughs> horrifying to look at, but Billy Crystal through and through. As the old conjurer who brings Wesley back to back to life from being almost dead, almost <laughs> entirely dead. Uh, yeah, like a cameo appearance, but he sure uh, chews the scenery. Very entertaining. Yes. Christopher Guest plays the evil henchman. Chris Sarandon played played. Prince Humperdinck. Often, um, Andre the Giant would deliver a line in his role as Fezzik, and I would think, you know, that was the best take. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> sometimes he has such a thick accent yes. and such a deep voice, um, <laughs> both of which were trademarks of his, but he's not always easy to understand. Um, and I would just, I was just charmed by the fact that like, that's the one they put in the movie. Right. Right. Um, and the fact that he is a little hard to make out only adds to his charm. I mean, how can you not love Andre the Giant? Right. Um, good Lord. Yeah. I think the casting was pretty sharp and, Maybe because this was so long ago, uh, people were not established so much that they turned their nose up at it and have made a delightful movie with all of them in it. Yeah, I mean, Wallace Shawn, whose best known work <laughs> is My Dinner with Andre, um, you know, and not, not My Dinner with Andre the Giant, but this, you know, very brainy um word heavy film uh my dinner with andre uh, you know an intellectuals film let me put yeah. it that way uh, he's famous for that and for this like 
scenery chewing role in this loopy fantasy movie. I mean, it's quite those are the two big pillars of his um, film acting career. He also he has a more extensive career in stage and in writing. Um, but I, I just find it so charming that those are the two things he's known for. He's just a rat, a snarling, squealing, um, <laughs> self-regarding rat in this. So different from the other stuff, but he's great. It must be um, fun to to play a character like that. I would think so. I would. Th- I think uh, actors will generally tell you that um, it's most fun to play the villain. I don't know, having never really been an actor, aside from uh, being a, a member of the chorus in my high school production of Midsummer's Night Dream, <laughs> which I mainly remember as sitting around in the English teacher's office for... Um, two hours and then stepping away for two minutes to appear on stage and (laughs) look at something happening. That was my star turn. Um, But yeah, I think the villain is generally the most fun to play. I think so too. I was happy that the kids got into it because you never know. uh, You want to show them things from your childhood, but you also don't want the disappointment of them just not getting it. Or being disillusioned yourself in that. That's true. Right? Oh, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Or watching it again and, and thinking, oh, well, this is crap, actually. Yeah. Uh, which certainly can happen because when you're a kid, you don't know any better. That's right. That's right. I feel this held up. Um, I can understand how it's not, you know, you're not turning cartwheels over it. It's a modest film, to right. be sure. Um, but I think it succeeds in its ambitions. I also... <laughs> This is this is a confession, more or less. But I kept thinking, doesn't Rob Reiner have something to do with this movie? Just I thought he was the <laughs> star. Oh Lord, he was slightly involved. Yeah, he was coming off. Uh, this is Spinal Tap, oh. which was his big uh, directorial breakout. Um, and he chose this as his next next project just because he loved the book himself. Huh. Well, I think he did a fine job. I really do. I do too. Rob Reiner, what's he up? Does he just rant about politics these days? Is that his deal? He uh, just complains about so. politics on I, Twitter. I enjoy I think. everything that he says. <laughs> I don't know. You Is hope he- so? You hope he's just ranting about politics? Don't you wish he were like making a movie or something? Well, that Which would be maybe nice he too. Is. I don't know. I wanted to also say that William Goldman. This is for this is for Daddy because I'll forget to tell him. William Goldman contributed a segment of the book that Bill Simmons wrote on the history of the NBA. So he was a well-rounded fella. Oh, he liked his sports too. I see. Yes. But that was real. That was just a confidential for John that, T. in that's New Hampshire, right? right? That's yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Confident. Like the old Dear Abby columns. Yeah. My dad's name is John too, in case people don't know. That's, uh, if that confuses you, well, that's well, a story of my did life. confuse the yeah. people at the hospital, so... <laughs> yeah, and a number of other people besides as I was growing up. Nonetheless, I am proud to be a junior. Mom, what is your grade for The Princess Bride? I gave it a B. I felt that B coming. Yeah, felt like a B review from Mom. Mom a B is not uh, bad. No, not at all. 
Uh, Mom, dispel the mystery. What is your recommendation <laughs> this week? This will be a quick one. Yeah, my my recommendation is American Dirt by Janine Cummins, which I we already talked about. We already talked about it. I think you'll. I think it's a slice of life that not many of us are familiar with, and it you know, politics aside, the description of the different things that this woman does with her five year old son to live are just very, very finely crafted and really enjoyable writing. I'll say that. Okay, that's American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Read it if you're a bigot, I guess, no! is uh, the message of no! Mom's Book Club. <laughs> but Mom enjoyed it on its it's actual terrible. merits. Uh, that's a short recommendation segment, Mom. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Uh, what is your favorite kind of cake? I like chocolate cake with vanilla frosting. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I and I really like white cake, really white cake, not yellow cake, white cake with chocolate frosting. You can detect a difference between white cake and yellow cake, you're saying? No, just for the eyes. Oh, okay. But to uh, be honest, I would eat any cake you put in front of me because I love cake. Yeah, me too. Although I'm not a huge fan of chocolate cake with vanilla frosting, so I was surprised when that was your first okay. pick. Uh, did you see the rainbow cake that we made? Did I talk about this in the podcast already? No. The rainbow cake? Uh-uh. No. Um, Anna went out of town recently, and Eve uh, came to me. She'd been flipping through these uh, National Geographic <laughs> Ladders magazines. Yeah. Um, you know, National Geographic for, like, kids. And I forget if it was even National Geographic. But, you know, kids' magazines, and there was this recipe for rainbow cake in it. Um, and she said, can we make this? Um, as She wanted to make it as a, like, welcome back cake for Anna. Very she nice. Got home from her uh, weekend away on business. And I thought that was so sweet, but I also was like, rainbow cake, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, six separate little cakes. Yeah. Actually, um, we looked at the recipe together, and it just suggested, um, it didn't suggest, it told you to make the cake batter from the mix and then divide it up into six bowls. And then you make red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. And then from the bottom, you pour the violet one in, and then you pour the blue one right on top of that, and oh, you pour the okay. green one right on top of that. Um, I think I got the order right, but you make a rainbow with it from the bottom up. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did We did do two layers, so I had three colors in each, but I started to pour them in, and Jenna, uh, my sister who was visiting, said... Um, as I was pouring the blue on top of the violet, oh, no, oh, they're all going to mix together. And I said, this is what the recipe says. And it came out great. Yeah. Uh, it it worked. So rainbow cake doesn't need to be a terribly involved affair. I'm here to tell you. Um, and if you have back issues of National Geographic <laughs> Ladders magazine, you can find the you can find the recipe somewhere in there. My objection uh, is the saliva frosting. What does that mean? Well, we made a lamb cake for Easter last year, and it was equal parts delicious frosting <laughs> mixed with finger saliva from the children. <laughs> hey, speaking of frosting, how do you frost a cake without pieces of the cake coming off? Tell well, me. What's the secret? The secret is your cake has to be perfectly cold. 
My cake was cold. It was, was cold? It had okay. cooled for hours. Well, the other thing is you're supposed to, I forget what this is called, but you're supposed to put a thin layer of frosting all around and then put it in the refrigerator so it gets cold and then put your real frosting on what? top. What? Really? Oh, God, I don't have time for that. I agree. I never have done that. That's why I always bake my cake in a in a, a, a nine by 13 pan and just. Oh, so you're just frosting the top. Right. Good call. I mean, I did a pretty good job, but I yeah, bet you parts did. of the parts of the cake are coming off in the frosting, and it doesn't look great. But I did my best. All right. Yes. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that'll do it for this edition of Pop Mom. This episode of the podcast was edited, as always, by Scott Jones. Thank you, Scott. Mom and I will be back soon to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? Any ideas? Well, yeah. Yeah? So we're not going to say? Well, traditionally, this is the part of the podcast where you say <laughs> something interesting, I and know. then if we know, know. what we're talking... Oh, okay. You really okay. left me hanging there. I'm I don't sorry. understand your game you're playing. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to tell them what we were going to listen I am, but you're going to say something interesting okay. first. Okay. All right. right. We've only done this... What is this? Like episode <laughs> 5,000? What on earth? What is happening here? Ma, the setup is the same every week. I'm going to try it again. What should we talk about, Mom? Any ideas? Dot, dot, dot. Something interesting. Oh, something interesting. That would be great. I wonder if Richard Osman's House of Games would make for an interesting review. We'll have to find out. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. It really does help that word of mouth and we'd love to get email but we had some great emails this week it's popmom at ological.net talk to us about anything what's your favorite kind of cake please tell us and tell us why popmom at ological.net that's the email address we love you mom and I will talk to you again next week bye for now mom bye Johnny I love you love you too <laughs>